Hello, and welcome back to The Indie, the podcast from the newsroom of the Santa Barbara Independent. I'm your host, Molly McEnany, and this week we're talking about whales and their connection to climate change. The Santa Barbara Maritime Museum is opening one of their largest multi-part exhibits on April 14th titled Whales Are Superheroes. The collection includes a series of art by students and maritime artists, an immersive storybook experience, as well as a marine science presentation on whales and their influence in the ocean. On this episode, I sat down with the SB Maritime Museum team. Emily Falk, Director of Collections, Liz Perry, Director of Education, Chrissy DeFerville, Member Experience Manager, Michael Matheson, Environmental Designer and Art Educator, and Holly Lahias, Marine Biologist and Educator, to discuss exactly why whales are superheroes. Not to start off a little too broad or scary, if you will, but recently, Climate scientists came out saying it's now or never. Greenhouse gas emissions must peak by 2025 if the world is going to stave off a serious climate disaster. And I want to turn this to all of you, given marine ecosystems are so important to life as we know it, and more specifically whales, who are key in maintaining the stability of the ocean. Could one or all of you explain a bit about why whales are so vital and how they are minimizing the impacts of climate change? Well, thank you. That's a wonderful question. And I wish everybody had that sense of awareness. So whales, um, of course, we've whaled whales. Uh, It's been an industry of hunting whales for hundreds of years. And as the great whales, the large baleen whales and the sperm whales are starting to recover and come back and, and healthy numbers, we are really starting to appreciate their vital role in enhancing ocean productivity. And as I did a presentation earlier today for the Maritime Museum with some local fifth grade students, they sure love to hear the story about whale poop and the fact that whales in general, most of the larger baleen whales feed down in the deeper depths. A lot of whales yesterday on the Island Packer boat, we had lunch feeding humpback whales. The Condor Express has been seeing humpback whales feeding in the last couple of weeks right here on the channel. They dive down and they bring their prey, their fish up towards the surface. They're just moving a tremendous amount of water through their large size and their migration and their feeding. And that brings the nutrients close to the surface. They fertilize the surface waters. That's where they go to the bathroom is at the surface. And all that nutrients, all those limited nutrients that are generally not found in abundance in the ocean, iron and nitrogen and other nutrients, the whales are providing that through their fecal matter. And they then enhance more phytoplankton, plant plankton being tiny little microscopic floating plants in the ocean. They take the CO2 out of the atmosphere, they photosynthesize and they make oxygen. So it's a pretty simple loop of the whale pump that we really started to scientifically measure that enhancement that whales do. So with more whales, more phytoplankton, more CO2 taken out of the environment, more zooplankton that the phytoplankton um, provide, and then more zooplankton, you then have more fish, more fish, you have more food for whales, and it all goes around and around and around a nice tight cycle. And there's been some very good quantitative studies that have shown the amount of CO2 that whales are helping to take out of the environment, of the atmosphere. So that's why they are considered um, a mechanism for sequestering carbon. And that's become a very important terminology as we start to, as you say, said, appreciate the importance of ecosystems as carbon sinks. 
Whales are a very important component of the ocean as a tremendous carbon sink. So the Maritime Museum is honoring whales, launching one of its biggest exhibits yet called Whales Are Superheroes. So first we'll go back to Holly and then we'll get to everyone else. But you're giving a presentation detailing whales' connection to climate change, as you explained a little bit just now. But can you tell me about the International Whale Heritage Site before we get into the other exhibits? Sure. I started working on island packer boats back in the early 90s, right out of college from UC Santa Barbara. We definitely saw a lot of whales. The gray whales were really healthy and delisted in 1994 from the Endangered Species Act. They're the only whale population as an entire population delisted from the Endangered Species Act. And to be back on the island packer boats the last few years on a part-time basis, we're seeing a lot more whales than we did just 20, 30 years ago in our own Santa Barbara Channel. So many of these populations, the, the humpback whales are making a tremendous recovery. So it's a great way to highlight to the world the importance of marine conservation. And if we could bring the great whales back from the brink of extinction, there's a lot we could do when it comes to our connection to healthy oceans. The Whale Heritage Site is a program through the World Cetacean Alliance. And they are a nonprofit based in England. And their original goal in setting up in 2013 was to bring in an alliance of responsible tour operators, whale watching companies from around the world together to highlight to the world how there's fabulous opportunities to learn about whales in the wild on their terms and not to go see whales and dolphins in captivity. So that was really the initial uh, campaign under World Cetacean Alliance back in 2013. That time I was full-time with Jean-Michel Cousteau and Ocean Future Society is his nonprofit. And he was asked to be the honorary president of the World Cetacean Alliance in 2013. He still is their honorary president. And um, more recently, one of their campaigns they've launched is creating areas around the world that have some very important components in place to highlight to the world as a whale heritage site. So it's really a, 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 an, an an accreditation program. It's a great marketing tour for tourism. And it really emphasizes that there's great tour operators in place from the Condor Express and the Double Dolphin here in Santa Barbara Harbor. And then the companies of Island Packers and Cisco Landing down in Ventura and Channel Islands Harbor, all out watching whales with full protection, as well as great educational opportunities, highlighting the cultural significance and also the conservation and the research that's in place. So we did the initial application last summer and fall, and we've been accepted to now be a candidate site. So there's only five whale heritage sites around the world today, and there are 13 candidate sites. So we are one of 13 sites now, and we are now doing a full application that brings together a steering committee of different organizations, governmental agencies, researchers, NGOs together to then um, provide all the information under the criteria of the education, research, culture, and responsible tour operators. Wonderful. Well, that's very exciting. So everyone's, I guess, crossing their fingers now for that. But so first, Chrissy, could you share a bit about the Whale of a Tail immersive experience? And I see, is this the room that you're sitting in that it's actually going to be in? It is. We, um, so we drew inspiration from Emily, our curator, her new exhibit, Whales Are Superheroes. And this is about celebrating uh, what she's put together and then Liz's education program around that as well. 
So what we did is we had Holly and Mike, who's here with me, they created a video. This video went out to local schools and to the public as well. They learned about whale education, kind of what Holly spoke about just now, and art education with Mike. And they were asked to draw their own interpretation of a whale or the environment that the whale lives in. So it could be starfish and dolphins and kelp, whatever came to their imagination. And they were only allowed to use eight and a half by 11 white paper, crayons, markers, and colored pencils. And we received over 500 art submissions from kids in kindergarten through sixth grade. Now I'll hand it over to Mike because what we did with that art is really where he took over in bringing to life this kids art in an underwater world. Yeah, so we got the, the 500 submissions. We went through them and, and selected carefully and, and picked the work that would work best together. And we enlarged it and reformatted it so it fit in the entirety of the room. You can see the walls behind us. They're children's drawings scanned and then enlarged mm -hmm. and then mounted. And then we took all the other art and selected objects and fish and whales and we've cut them out and placed them all over the world or all over the walls to create <laughs> the world. Yeah, to, and the world. to mention to create this like immersive underwater experience just like just flowing with like creativity and color and the the children will be able to come in and see all the young artists be able to come in and see all their work displayed it's going to be pretty fantastic now there's a lot of art involved in this project and usually a lot of art involved at the maritime museum in general but Back to Michael and Liz, what was special about having students share their depictions of whales for this exhibit? And what did you learn about the youth perspective of whales? Yeah, well, children's art in general just comes from such a like natural place of learning and they, they see it and they represent it and then they put it on paper and it's just so natural and real. And I think it's some of my favorite art is art that's been created by young artists because it, it hasn't been contaminated by anything outside of <laughs> you know the outside world so they, they do a whale it's like how they see it the form the bubbles the other fish in the environment it's it's just pretty natural so to see it all come together i think even for like an a viewer that's a, like a little older to see this work they're like wow this is like incredible because the scale has been blown up and mm -hmm. yeah they just really really just have such a, a gift for reinventing what they see now, Emily, if I'm correct, you curated the Wonder of Whales exhibit. Why do you think that this art is important for visually representing the whales' connection to climate change? Well, um, actually, Holly and Liz and I all worked on the permanent exhibit with an outside fabricator slash designer editor. It started out as part of the um, Environmental Alliance of Santa Barbara, 14 museums and institutions in town that are collaborating on exhibits on, that have to do with climate change. And they're on exhibit from April through September. But we were always going to do something in our environmental case and change it out. It was an old trash exhibit about plastics. And Holly really came up with the idea, and Holly is really the brains behind the material that is in the exhibit with an editor that we use, Lynn Henley. And Liz and I had probably more to do with sort of the design concept. We worked with Lynn Henley, sort of comic-y, like wham, bam, pow, like superhero, superman type of a theme to make it relatable to all ages. You know, kids, when they read it in the poop loop, of course, they'll be completely all of that. But um, so I, I feel like it's a sophisticated exhibit that's very relatable. And then to have the kids actually have a little talk about whales and then do the art exercise, they merge into it. I mean, they, they, they sort of take it to a new place of how they see the whale and how they paint the whale, they, they own it. And so I think that it just adds so much to the permanent exhibit to have 
so much art on display. We have 200 small pieces on the wall behind this theater that were classroom pieces that Liz and Holly and Sandra Weiss did. And then 500 something looping in a video in here and 120 on the wall. So we've reached over 700 kids. And um, this is their take on the whale, which is, I think, just a, a super superhero, very relatable to all ages um, topic. And of course, very timely. We also have two local artists that paint whales, and one swims with the whales, John apparently swims with the whales, and Kelly is uh, very much into the marine life. So they're on display too, and I always do an art exhibit every three to four months, and it just happened to coincide beautifully with this. So they'll be here, and they're local. So there's, a, there's sort of all ages that we're reaching here, and that's where it all happened. If I'm correct, whale migration season actually passes right along the Santa Barbara coast from February to April. So why is this channel one of the best whale watching spots and tourist spots? And what kind of whales can people see around this time of year? So I was just out whale watching yesterday and we had one single gray whale. So they were kind of at the tail end of their northbound migration. We've been watching northbound gray whales since mid-February, they spend their winter time down in the lagoons of Baja, Mexico, where it's a very safe place for the females to give birth and to nurse and nurture their newborn calf. And so they're the longest, they're the animals down there the longest. So we're just starting to see this last wave of animals or the mothers and calves, gray whales moving through. We're so fortunate too, if conditions are right, we have high productivity of a lot of big schools of bait fish like anchovies. And that's what brings in the humpback whales. We've been seeing feeding activity of humpbacks since about early March. And if we get more wind, as we're supposed to get a lot more wind on Monday, this wind is what stirs up all these nutrients. We get a lot of whales, a lot of great nutrient production. We're hoping we'll have great humpback whale watching opportunities through the spring, summer, and fall. If you follow the whale watching company's listings of sightings, you'll see Condor Express last year had humpback whales on pretty much every one of their trips that they could be out offshore without conditions, weather conditions. Same with Island Packers. We primarily provide transportation to the Channel Islands National Park, but we also do whale watching trips that are non-landing trips. And so I would say, you know, most of our trips were seeing whales. So right now it's primarily the humpbacks with the last of the gray whales still migrating through. We also see minky whales. We see blue whales, if conditions are right, we'll see uh, lots of blue whales, generally at the tail end of the summer and into the fall. And they're still critically endangered. There's not a lot of blue whales left on our planet. So for us to have one of the healthiest populations of blue whales that visit us here in the Santa Barbara Channel of the krill is here is very exciting. And then we have other visitors such as the orcas or killer whales. We generally see maybe once a month or so. We see other not as familiar dolphins like riso dolphins that feed on squid. We can very occasionally see a sperm whale. We also can see our permanent resident dolphins, which would be common dolphins and bottlenose dolphins we see on a regular basis. So that was what, eight or nine species, but we honestly have seen 27 different species of whales, dolphins, and porpoise here in the Santa Barbara Channel. And that makes up about a third of the world's populations of whales, dolphins, and porpoise. So we can easily 
say we see a third of the world's whales here in our local channel, not the abundance, but the species, the diversity here in the Santa Barbara channel. So it's just a very unique area of high productivity and mixing of currents. And it's why it's a national park and a national marine sanctuary right offshore here because of this high biodiversity. So I want to ask to close out what everyone's favorite fun or interesting fact about whales is. What is something that you think people don't know that is really cool about them? Uh, um, I can answer. Well, my, one of my favorite things about the whales that we talk about a lot with the kids in class is um, how um, an orca or a killer whale is actually a dolphin. And so the kids always get excited when they hear that because they're like, what do you mean it's a dolphin? And so we can yeah explain it a little better than I can, but it's always fun to when they go, what do you mean? We don't understand it's a dolphin. So that's one of my my favorite <laughs> part of this learning and listening is the life cycle and learning that when they do pass, they end up on the bottom of the ocean, right? But they're also using their life and all of it, all the oxygen, everything to, to push back into their environment and create new life and yeah. a healthy, you know, ecosystem is my, my favorite part of the whole process. Yeah. Agreed. I feel bad for the whale that he has to do that. <laughs> I know. He's lived a full life before. I know, Emily and I were just having, I, I concur, Emily, the poop. We're obsessed with the poop. <laughs> and I think a lot of people get obsessed. It's fascinating. And it's, it's fertilizing the ocean. It's, and everyone loves to talk about poop. <laughs> like kids, kids do. We have some, some good drone footage from last summer of humpback whale pooping at the surface. And I showed that to two fifth grade classes today. If you could have only been a fly on the wall and just hear their giggles. <laughs> And, and I, you know, just to kind of close it out, I am just so extremely appreciative of this amazing, very talented team where I get to just share some personal stories of how fortunate we are to have amazing whale encounters on our Santa Barbara channel and for them to bring to life this incredible opportunity for people to not only to appreciate whales, I mean, they're such an iconic species who doesn't love whales, we all love whales, but now that we're really dignifying whales as they're really considered these ecosystem engineers. Like they're playing a tremendous role in enhancing our world's oceans. It's benefiting everybody involved from not only tour operators and passengers who wanna go see whales, but even increasing fisheries. It's, it's just such a win-win to bring our whales back. And we're living in such an exciting time where some of these populations were so depleted and so close to the brink of extinction. And since their protection in the early 70s, we are seeing, we are witnessing right here in the Santa Barbara Channel, the comeback of the great whales. We're not there, we're still at only maybe a third of what the whale population was about 150 years ago. So we still have a lot of conservation conversations that need to be taken into consideration as we all just celebrate the comeback of the whales. Well, wonderful. Thank you so much to everyone for joining me on this week's episode of The Indie and Why Whales Are Superheroes. So I really appreciate everyone coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you. Once again, I'm your host, Molly McEnany. Tune in next week for another episode.